You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Please do take a seat here in the room and at home. Thank you so much, band, leading us again so brilliantly and beautifully. Well, it's so good to be with you here today, both in the room and joining you at home, wherever it is that you are that you're joining us today. Well, I hope that you've had a great week this week. This week, uh, we have been, well, for the last couple of days at the end of the week, we had the AOG conference, the Assemblies of God, that's the denomination that CLM belongs to. We had our online conference. So we've been gathering with churches, gathering with churches from across the UK and further afield. And it has been so encouraging to hear of what God is doing through other churches, churches who are planting and planting campuses and churches even in the midst of uh, COVID times and seeing God move and reach people. It was a particular joy for me to hear from Pastor Jihad from True Vine Church in Zahle in Lebanon who joined one of the missions sessions that I had gone to. I didn't even know that he was going to be in there, but he shared some of what they have seen going on in Lebanon. And he was sharing, you know, after a number of years, they've been working for many years now with Syrian refugees in Lebanon and seen an extraordinary work of God amongst those refugees, seen hundreds of them come to faith, have revelation of Jesus Christ, seen miraculous healings and breakthroughs and really astonishing answers to prayer as they've worked among them. But what he was explaining was that recently they've seen a real shift and some extreme need now among the Lebanese people themselves. The result of some of the political turmoil in that country, they've also faced economic crisis even before COVID, and then obviously COVID, and then the terrible explosion in Beirut last August that left 300,000 people homeless. And they began, or a small team from True Vine Church, as they do, they began visiting affected families in Beirut. Beirut is an hour, just over an hour away from Zahle, where the church is based. But they started visiting affected families, taking the money for provision, helping them to mend windows and doors that had been blown out in the blast. You may remember we contributed to that as CLM and got some photos back of what they'd done. But as they had visited those families, they gave each one a Bible and they shared with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they visited 400 different families. And of those 400, they said 25% of them, one in every four received Christ in those families. What an incredible response to see them receiving Christ and wanting to go on with Christ. And what they're seeing now is something of a miraculous work of God amongst the Lebanese people themselves, not just among the Syrian refugees. They've been seeing numbers of young people coming to Christ from all sorts of backgrounds and really believing it's perhaps a, a move of God that he's going to raise some more people who are going to be sent out into other places across the Middle East as part of what the Lord is doing. Well, we continue to partner with True Vine Church as part of the Aziz partnership, and we stand with them as they really do pour themselves out into 
a, a situation of extreme need, but they just keep seeking to serve those around them and bring the love and the grace of Jesus and they see God move. And I hope that we'll be able to increase our engagement as we hopefully move beyond COVID. Well, it's been so encouraging that amidst all the disruption that there has been, the Lord continues to be at work in the earth through his church. And so if you want a title as we come to the word this morning, it's simply this, Built Together. Built together. Because I'm going to take us to some verses in Ephesians which remind us of some fundamental biblical truths about the church. Because I think that probably for all of us, our interaction with the church over the last 14 months has probably been quite different to what it was before then. And I wonder if perhaps our view of it and the way that we think of it may also have changed. I'm conscious in our house, even how we speak of it has changed. It wasn't our intention to change how we spoke about the church. I'm not sure it's necessarily a good thing, but it's changed. You know, on a Sunday morning, normally myself and Martin, Martin is actually preaching at Life Church Bedworth this morning, but we're out in the morning for live streaming. And we return and we tend to ask our children who are a bit older now, and most of them a lot taller than when you last saw them, have you done church yet? Have you done church yet? This is something that we never used to say. This was not a way we used to talk about church, but church has become something that can be done. Done from the couch, done from your bed, done if you're dressed, done in your pajamas. It's become something that we can have playing on the screen for a time and hopefully engage with to some degree. Now, I've got to say in our house, there's normally some follow-up questions uh, that uh, might ask some things like, uh, have you watched all of church? Because uh, there can be a quick yes offered, which sometimes needs probing a little further. And we sometimes ask some questions about what songs have been sung and who is leading worship and maybe what the points in the message were just to check in on engagement levels. But the key thing is that the language that we have used to talk about church has changed. And I wonder if it's changed for you too. You know, before COVID, probably the most common misconception that we maybe had about church was that it was the building. But I think probably for all of us, 14 months of pandemic has forcibly corrected us in that. We know it's more than the building. But what has it become? in our thinking and in our speaking? And does that actually match up with what the Bible says it is and what it's designed to be? So I invite you to come with me today to Ephesians 2. If you've got a Bible, why not turn there and read the words with me? Now, Ephesians is a letter that was written to a group of churches in what is now modern-day Turkey, written by the Apostle Paul. And through its six chapters, it unpacks something of the foundational beliefs, the amazing power and the beauty and glory and purpose of the church of Christ as she outworks and physically represents God's work in the earth. Now, don't worry, we're not going to read all six chapters today. We're just going to read a few verses from chapter two. But let me just give a few pearls that come in the verses before, because Paul begins unpacking in chapter one. He says that the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, and there is so much that he has poured out. I won't try and summarize it because it, I won't do it justice. But if you've never read Ephesians one, read Ephesians one. 
In chapter two, Paul explains that because of God's love for us and mercy for us, that he came and found us when we were essentially dead and made us alive. This is what God does, as we've heard already today. We get reminded that we're saved by grace, through faith, not my works, so that no one can boast. He reminds us that we're God's workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And Paul then goes on to write about the breadth of God's invitation to reconcile people to God, to reconcile both Jew and Gentile. Now, the Jews had been the chosen ones, the Gentiles, which is probably where most of us would fall, They'd all been outsiders to what God had been doing, but now all could be reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. So let's jump in. Ephesians 2, we're just going to read verses 17 to 22. It begins with he, which refers to Jesus. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in him, The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So Paul doesn't use the word church here, but he's writing to the church and he's describing the church. And so boys and girls, there's a few of you here in the room, but boys and girls at home, if you, while I'm speaking, could Draw for me a picture of the church. That would be fantastic. And if you're able to listen to what I'm saying, that may uh, change what you draw. And can I also say, boys and girls, we are so looking forward to seeing you back here in church, hopefully soon. But this morning, I'm going to really just bring us to these verses and pose three simple questions and draw out the answers that we find there about the church, as we just try to check that what we think about the church is what the Bible says. So first up, what is the church? What is the church? We know it's not the building. We do kind of know it, it's more about the people. But here in these verses, Paul is making it clear. He's laying it out plainly that the church is God's household. The church is God's household. With Jesus as the chief cornerstone built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, it's his household. It's a kind of building, but it's not a physical one. It isn't built with bricks, it's built with people. The apostle Peter in another letter refers to those people, to them and to us as living stones. But Paul calls here the church God's household. Now, it seems to me the word household has become of much more significance to us over the last year. We've used it a lot more during the pandemic because, of course, we've only been able to be close to or engage with those in our social bubble or our household. So let me just be really clear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying here that I can invite you all round to my garden because we're spiritually in the same household. My garden isn't big enough. It's a fun idea, but that isn't what I'm trying to say today. 
But the church is God's household. The New Testament Greek word that Paul uses, I believe you say it, oikaios. Oikaios, it means just household, belonging to the family. Immediate family is what is implied by the word. And that every one of us, even though there was a time when we were an outsider, when we received Christ, when we began a life in Christ, we were made members of a new family, a new household, a household that is the church of Jesus' chosen and called out ones. The church is God's household. And we've learned in these COVID times that uh, the household that we're part of really matters. Not just when we're at home or in the household, but wherever we go, actually, we're still part of that household. We're identified according to the household. We're probably making decisions and behaving and seeing people according to what household we're in and who else is there and what else is going on with them. And we know that whatever we might have, good, bad, contagious, will most likely be shared in our household because of proximity. Because of the proximity, which helps us to understand that the church is God's household. We're a people with some proximity to one another, where things can be shared. We're identified as family. Yep, built on and aligned with Jesus, but also relating to one another, close to one another. I think this is partly why some of the separation and the separateness of the last 40 months has been so difficult, so painful, because church, like immediate family, is designed to have proximity, to be a household. I remember in the first few months last year, when uh, we didn't have like a real-time way of engaging, we weren't doing prayer meetings on Zoom or anything like that, and then we began and had our first prayer meeting, and it had been several months, and I remember going on to that meeting and hearing the voices of some of my brothers and sisters that I had not heard for several months. I remember the feeling as I heard Mary Matindi pray out and lift her voice for the first time in a few months, And it was like, it was the sound of the household. It was the sound of home. And I'd missed that sound so much and it was so precious to hear. I felt the same as I heard uh, Tony Williams speak out in prayer. It's so great to have you, Tony and Julie, here in the room with us today. But as Tony prayed out in that same meeting and as we were regaining just a small element of the proximity of the household. Now, of course, we've taken some more steps since then. We keep taking steps, but I'm so looking forward to the journey ahead. But Paul's answer here to this question, what is the church? Well, the church is God's household. So the second question here is who is the church? Who is in this household? Is it anyone who ever comes? Is it anyone who ever logs on or views the service on Facebook? And If so, does it have to be a view of a certain length? Does that make you a member? And do you have to have watched all the service? That's probably the critical question in our household. If I come every week, does that mean I am the church? Who is the church? Well, these verses, they begin with the words, he came, Jesus came. It says, Jesus came and preached peace to those who were far away and those who were near. And says, through him We both have access to the Father by one spirit. The message puts it like this. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. And he treated us as equals and made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access 
to the Father. And here's the key, because the church is the household of those who come to the Father through Jesus Christ. No special passes, no privileges, no special rights. Whether we were near or whether we were far off, wherever we come from, whatever our background, we're all equal when it comes to God. And we can only come to God through his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us on the cross. But when we do that, when we come to the Father through Jesus Christ, then we are the church. We are part of God's household. And Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians, to those he knows have come to the Father God through Jesus Christ. They've taken on board that Jesus took their sin and their wrong on the cross. They know that he paid their debt so that they can now have access to God and have relationship with him. Paul knows they've received this, knows that they're living in this, and so he writes to them, in him, you too. He says, you too are being built together. You too are in this household. You too are part of this if you are in him. So whether you're here in the room today, and in fact, wherever you might be joining us from and tuning in to this service, if you've received Jesus Christ, if you've begun a life with him and in him, if you're accessing the Father or learning to access the Father through Jesus Christ, then you too are part of the church. You too are part of this household. You are in on this, whether you are young or whether you are old, whether you are a little boy or girl, but you've received Jesus, whether you are a young person, a teenager, you're in your early 20s, whether you're in your 50s or your 60s, if you're in him, then you too are part of this household. And if today, whether you're in the room or whether you're joining us from home, if you're not sure if you're in on this, well, you can begin a life in Jesus anytime. It's really simple. You just have to ask him and invite him into your heart and into your life. And we'll give you an opportunity, help you to do this later in the service, but actually you don't have to wait for that. You could ask him right now. Just use your own words, whatever words you've got, and ask him to come into your life. He will hear and he will answer. Because you too can be part of God's household, his family, his church. So who is the church? Well, the church, God's household, it involves you too. Here in the room, you at home, if you're living in Jesus, if you've started a life that is in him, it's you too. You may not have felt like it in the last year, as we've just tried to muddle through and find ways to get by. You may not have felt like it's you too, but Ephesians 2, the words of Paul, they remind us today, you are the church, you're part of the household. In him, you too are part of this. So third question today is how is the church built? And like all of these questions in this sermon today, uh, there is a much more thorough answer we could give to these questions. I'm aware this is simple. There is a more complete answer we could give, but there is an answer in these verses that is really key. Because Paul has explained that the church is God's household. He's, he's written to those he knows are in Christ and he's told them it's them too. And he says, you're being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The church is built when we are built together. 
The foundation is Jesus. The cornerstone is Jesus. And it all needs to line up with him. But the church is built as we are built together in community, serving one another, loving one another, journeying with one another, honoring one another, listening to one another. And crucially, what happens as we are built together is we're being made into a dwelling, it says, in which God lives by his spirit. How amazing that as our lives get built together as God's household, each one of us as like bricks or living stones, each one with a part to play, how amazing that as we are built together in that, that God says he is building something which he will then come and inhabit and dwell in. The God who made everything, the God who spoke and everything came into being, the God who sustains it by the breath of his mouth says, I'll build you together and then I'll come and inhabit that by my Holy Spirit. What a mystery. Of course, we know that the Holy Spirit lives in each one of us and we can enjoy God's peace and presence as individuals. But Paul is explaining something beyond this that is part of the phenomenon and the wonder and the mystery and the power and the preciousness of the church that goes beyond even the beautiful tapestry of the, the woven together, rescued and redeemed lives of God's people. He's pointing to the fact that God builds us together to then come and dwell in the midst of that community, a Christ-centered community. Now, one of the core values of CLM, you'll have heard us talk about it many times, is a passion for the presence of God. That's to say that we actively want to seek to be built together so that we can line ourselves up to try to work with God, to be that dwelling that he expresses here in Ephesians 2 that he would presence himself here as we gather to worship and pray. And of course, you know, the Lord has been so gracious, hasn't he, in this last 40 months in how we've been able to encounter him and encounter his presence, even as we've been live streaming our services or joining together on, on Zoom for prayer, settings that I didn't set out with an expectation that the presence of God would be carried and yet, He's been very gracious in using that. I guess he is not limited by physical places and my faith should have been greater. But we're so grateful for what he has done. And yet, there is nothing that compares. There's nothing quite like gathering with God's people as we are here this morning, his household and when his presence comes in the room when he ministers his love and his peace and his grace and his forgiveness and when there's breakthrough or freedom or healing and his word comes forth with power and, and so much more. I remember the first time that I stepped back into the grace room after the first lockdown, when we just started recording from church again last summer, probably in July time. And the first time I walked in the room and the band were, I don't know if they were rehearsing or just in the middle of a song, but they were worshiping. And I walked in the room and it wasn't that I'd been disconnected from God in the last few months, but when I came in the room and they were here worshiping together and I stepped into it, I was undone with a sense of the presence of God. 
It was so sweet, so life-giving to be and so precious. And I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to us worshiping and singing and raising our voices together before too long when we can do so. Because I know that his presence is gonna fill our coming together. I'm also I'm aware many of us, some here in the room, some of you at home, we, we need the Holy Spirit to come and to minister into us because of the challenges of the last season and what that's caused in us. And we need the Lord to do a healing, ministering work. And I'm confident that he will do that as we gather and as he dwells in our being built together. I heard a little while ago, Pete Gregg, who many of you will know of, he's the founder of 24-7 Prayer. He said, God dwells in the spaces between people. He dwells in the spaces between people. Yeah, he lives in us, but he also inhabits the spaces between us in our relationships. It's just another way really of expressing what Paul's saying here, that when we're built together, it makes room for God to dwell because he lives in the spaces between us. It's why how we treat each other is critically important. It's why we must uh, be attentive to deal with the fallings out that naturally happen in human life. Because we're called to be built together, to hold together, for there to be a cohesion, to make a dwelling, a space in which God can live by his spirit and presence himself. This is the church. This is God's household with you too being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I cannot really get over this notion, this aspiration, this truth that God wants to presence himself among us. You see, I grew up in a church where I was taught the truth of the Bible for which I am forever grateful. But it was a church that I had not fully grasped this idea, this truth, that we are to be built together to be a dwelling place for God by his Holy Spirit. And the truth is that ever since I first encountered the manifest presence of God as a 17-year-old, I've wanted to be part of a church that is being built together so that God can dwell there. And it's something that I've been so grateful for as I've raised my children in churches that are like that. And let me just take a moment to say, I know that when you've got little children, uh, church is not always easy. We are trying to manage them and maybe manage feeds and manage behavior, manage their noise and their movement and running out of church with a screaming child under your arm in the middle of the sermon, trying not to disturb, but you know everyone's seen. I remember it well. And I'm guessing that if you've got particularly preschoolers, you must be wondering how the return to church is gonna be after they've not been here for a year and they're out of that habit and what noise are they gonna make? How are they gonna behave? How are we gonna manage it? Please don't let that put you off. We are so looking forward to welcoming you and your little ones back into this space with the slight chaos that that is gonna bring and that is okay. I just want to say, you know, when my children were growing up, I remember it was such a joy to be bringing them up in a place where there was the presence of God. And I wanted them so much to not um, be complacent about the presence of God or take it for granted. And I used to then, whenever there was a particular sense of the presence of God in the room, I used to tell them, even when they were really small, even when I knew they wouldn't fully understand, I would just whisper, the presence of God is here. 
because I wanted them to learn to know it and to treasure it. And it was such a precious thing to them be part of a community where that was part of our experience. I'm so grateful it was part of their upbringing, that they were part of a church being built together with the Holy Spirit dwelling there. Now, I know that many in the church, we've uh, continued to be built together through this time in whatever ways we've been able to be. Our life group leaders, life group leaders, you have done such an incredible job of uh, maintaining community, of moving on to Zoom, of doing whatever you can to still gather and keep the church uh, built together and building together. We know that it's cost you, but we're so grateful for the part that you've played, the critical part you've played in building the church in this season. I know that beyond life groups, as many of you may have put in calls, texts, met up with people when we've been allowed to, written letters, done all kinds of things to keep others connected and cared for and built together. You've been awesome. I'm also aware for some of us, perhaps we find ourselves a little more on the edge, not feeling so involved, not feeling so built together. We're conscious that for so many people who diligently served to make Sundays work prior to uh, March 2020, that suddenly the way you served disappeared from possibility. And it was a key part of your belonging, your participation, a practical way that you contributed to being built together. But the truth is that CLM has only been able to grow to where it is because of the active participation, the serving, the diligence, the welcome that many, many in the church serving and leading and using their gifts, that's how we had got to where we'd got to. You know, although nothing uh, is a given in this COVID roadmap journey, it appears that we can begin to plan for actively building and being built together in person again in the near future. Now, we know that everyone is not ready to come back in person yet, and there's no pressure at all for that. And we know there's different concerns and anxieties for different people. We're aware of those, and we're considering those as we plan for the return to increased in-person activities. But whatever church may have become for us in the last year, Paul's words remind us that the church is God's household, that you too are part of it, and that this household gets built when we are built together, and God builds it to inhabit it with his presence. You know, it's why there are believers around the world in many nations where they face persecution for their faith. I understand, I heard this week, 340 million Christians live in places where they are persecuted for their faith. They risk everything to gather with other Christians because the Lord presences himself amongst his household as they gather and are built together. You know, when we do this, when we build the church like this, it becomes a place where others can come, where others can come who are not yet part of the household, but they can experience it. They can encounter something of God and taste something of God and find that it feels like home even before they are part of it. It's part of their journey of finding Jesus, and there's so many, even just in this city of Coventry, who need to find their way home to him. Perhaps after all the challenge of the last year, they're more aware of their mortality, more aware of their need for God than ever. 
the church, God's household, is his primary means for bringing his kingdom, the primary means for bringing home the lost, the very reason that Jesus came, the very reason Jesus went to the cross, the very reason that he shed his blood, the very reason that causes rejoicing in heaven every time one sinner repents, one lost person comes home. The church, God's household, has been positioned to accomplish it. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, I will build my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The building of the church is the work of Jesus himself. We're the bricks, the living stones in his hand that he builds with and builds together so that he can inhabit it and make a home in the connected space within us by his spirit. May Paul's words remind us whatever church has become, it's God's household. That in him, in Jesus, you too, you too are part of this household and it is built as we are built together. So as each of us consider the road ahead in the next few weeks and months, as we make our plans, what we might be able to do, who we might be able to see, who we might be able to hug, when we might be able to go to certain places, these are good things and we should enjoy them, even as we get over some of our own slight anxieties about doing these things after a long time. I invite us, I invite you to, to prepare for your next steps in being built together. Some of you are already here in the room and it's a joy to have you and to gather with you today. Maybe you're at home, but you feel ready to return to an in-person service. You just need to, to book in. We look forward to seeing you. Maybe you're not ready for that yet. And so we just invite you to Drop someone a text or make a call. Begin reaching out to someone who you've maybe not seen for a while, but who's from church and seek to encourage them. Maybe take another step and meet up with them for a walk or maybe in a couple of weeks time when we can have people in our home and maybe you've had someone in, well, maybe invite someone around on a Sunday morning to join together with them as you connect with Sunday Church. But over the next few months, we can all take our next steps at our own pace but move intentionally towards being built together into a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. The stakes are high for the church. God is moving in the earth, in the UK, in the nations of the earth, those that we would expect it and those that we don't. And we too, you too are invited to be part of it. I simply invite us now as we come to the end and come to a moment of response I invite every one of us just to make ourselves available to the Lord, that we would be willing and ready to make a next step towards being built together, towards what He is doing in and through His church. So whether you're at home or here in the room, I invite you to stand just as a sign of actually, yeah, Lord, we want you to build with us, with us, as make me a living stone, build me in, Lord. Help me make the journey at the pace that I can, but come and build me in that you might pour out your spirit. Let's bring ourselves to the Lord. And let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for the incredible truths of what you have destined and designed your church to be, that you allow us and you welcome us to be part of your household. Father, we thank you that you build us together. You call us who are outsiders to be insiders and you build us together and connect us together that you might presence yourself among us. And it's so precious to us. And so Lord, we come to say thank you for these truths today. And we make ourselves available as your church. In what has been such a challenging season, Lord, but we thank you that you've journeyed with us through it so faithfully. But we invite you now, Lord, to see each one of us, to receive us as we bring our offering to you today, that you would help us to be built together. Help us to make this journey back to being an in-person church that are built together, that know you coming and presencing yourself powerfully. And we ask, Lord, we even dare to ask that as we grow together, that you would release even another measure of your presence and power to minister, to heal, to save, to redeem, to rescue that you would indeed pour out your spirit among your people and allow us to be the church that you've called us to be, to bring many home to you. So be honored, Lord, be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.